Hello, and welcome to another episode of the B2B Founders Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today, I'm joined by Jeff Atkinson, who is the founder and CEO of Huckabay. I asked Jeff to come on the show to discuss his and Huckabay's journey to the 5% Club. You will hear how Huckabay's enjoyed early success thanks in large part to their unique value prop and also thanks to Jeff's extensive network. Jeff's journey was unique, but at the same time still very common. Not many B2B companies get to a million dollars in revenue before they get stuck. You will hear how and about how growth flatlined once Jeff exhausted that network and how it took them almost a year to start growing again. This will be important as Jeff shares what worked, what didn't work, and what he would have done differently, or in this case, sooner. You'll also clearly see the multidimensional challenges that Jeff faced and how he overcame them, albeit by mostly trial and error. The key takeaways from this episode for me were, you have to reach prospects outside of your network. Again, this is where most B2B startups stall and burn out, so this is critical. Salespeople may not be the first correct hire or investment. As you'll see, we talk about marketing and how to drive more inbound leads can be much more cost-effective and allow you to scale quicker. How processes and workflows can help accelerate growth, focusing early on customer experience, and probably a really interesting topic and discussion we have is how and why Huckabye continues to grow even during the pandemic. Thank you for listening. And now on to the interview. Welcome back. You're listening to B2B Founders, a podcast dedicated to helping founders that are selling to other businesses navigate their startups to their first million dollars in revenue and join the 5% Club, led by your host, Brett Trainer. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brett. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's great to have you on. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And, you know, to get started, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about, you know, Huckabye, what you guys are doing today, who you're working with, number of employees, size, all that, all that good stuff. Sure. So Huckabye is a SaaS model, SEO SaaS model. We're working, we're about 1.4 million in ARR. It's been about three years doing this. We have about 15 employees distributed around the country. We're based in Park City, Utah, and probably about half our employees are here in Utah with the headquarters here, and the rest are distributed around the country. We work with companies pretty much of all sizes. So we have on the sort of enterprise side, we have some big big players like Salesforce, SAP, Concur. Vivint actually just signed this morning, which is pretty okay. exciting, the home Congrats. security company. Thank you. And then we, we work all, all different industries. So a lot of B2B, a lot of e-commerce, a lot of travel, which is you know, not doing particularly well right now, unfortunately. Legal, kind of everybody that needs organic search growth. So we, we solve some of the big technical problems when it comes to SEO and how a website communicates with a search engine. And yeah, so that's, that's Huckabye. Yeah, and maybe just spend a little bit of time. Like we, we kind of were talking off offline that you know we'll have to have you back on to talk about the value and the importance for business owners of the technical SEO. Maybe just spend a couple minutes talking about what you guys are doing and, and why it's important and why you know our founders should be thinking about this as well. Yeah, so my background comes from Overstock. I was the SVP of marketing at Overstock. We had a great SEO run of going from you know, about zero to 300 million. It was a big part of growing that business into a 
over a billion dollar, you know, big e-commerce player. What I realized there is that SEO really is very technical and yet the industry of SEO is almost entirely services driven. So a lot of agencies, a lot of consultants that can't really solve the big technical problems. And so Huckabye is literally built to solve those problems. So we make your site essentially perfect in terms of when Google comes and crawls it and wants to understand it, we optimize that technical experience. So yeah, it's, it's powerful software. Our average customer grows 62% in 12 months. I mean, the reason it's important for business owners and founders is that this organic search typically is the, the most efficient, most effective new customer acquisition channel there is. Um, in terms of ROI, compared to any kind of paid channel, it, it sort of knocks it out of the park. It's also the most scalable. So when you think about any, any really successful and fast growing business, they're usually fueled in, in some part, if not in a large, large part by SEO. So you think about, you know, the Amazons, the Ebays, the sales forces, they all sort of grew as a result of organic search. And it's, it can be sort of ignored or forgotten about, but that's often the make or break in a business is, is how well do they scale in terms of organic search. Yeah. And I think specifically this day and age, you know, one of the things I've been on the mountaintop for a few years now is really about buyer enablement, especially on the B2B side, as you traditionally thought about the silos of, you know, sales, marketing, and everybody doing their own thing. And really to this day, the customers don't care, right? They're starting to do, and you've built a business around this, you know, do their own search. You may have a conversation with you, but what's the first thing they're going to do is go to your website and validate what they heard or go to G2 crowd and see, you know, what are the reviews for your program? And I still think a lot of B2B especially enterprise undervalue the power that the buyer has and the value of, of the organic search. And one of the things, you know, hopefully we can get across today is if you're, you're starting to scale a business, you know, don't neglect as paid ads are nice, but you know, build the, build the foundation. So yeah, hopefully we can reach a few folks and get that message across to say, yes, invest in the, in the organic piece. And, you know, the one thing before we, we get into your story too, is at, around Google, right? I mean, I'm assuming Google's still the, the 900 pound gorilla or whatever that saying is that if yep. you don't satisfy their algorithms or their search terms, it's going to penalize you, right? That's right. Yeah. Google is the, is the leader, you know, almost every, what we call considered purchase and even very kind of unconsidered purchases, but you're talking big ticket items, SaaS purchases. I mean, they're going to hit search and they're going to hit Google, you know, multiple, multiple times when considering that purchase. And the idea is you got to, you got to own that conversation and you got to, you know, if you're not showing up as number one or, or high up, there's some distrust there. They're like, well, why, who is this company? Why aren't they, you know, ranking number one? So yeah, it's a big part of the, the purchase half is, is organic search. You, need, you just need to be able to own that conversation. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So that's actually probably a pretty good segue into, I think I've got an idea of how this idea came up for Huckabye, but why don't you take us back to where you came up with the idea, then ultimately decided to jump in and start a company? Yeah, I always wanted to do my own thing. I always wanted to be a founder, but I was fortunate enough at a pretty young age to know what I didn't know, right? So I think my first business idea was like starting a magazine. So there you go. Like that never would have worked. Um, <laughs> even the day, Huckabye, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't that long ago, unfortunately. <laughs> um, 
the original idea of Huckabye actually wasn't a SaaS company. It was a, a B2C uh, website that basically had all the product prices. It was basically like a comparison shopping engine that had all the product prices from all the retailers and then also aggregated the coupons and did the math essentially for you. Because I just noticed that behavior at, at Overstock that people would go you know, try to find the best price and then they're trying to find the best coupon and doing all this mental math. Well, at the time, Google is basically an affiliate site and Google almost you know, turned off the spigot when it came to affiliate sites. You, you had to own the product to, to really be ranking and be able to okay. sell it. So we were really swimming upstream. And we did that for, gosh, about two and a half years. We had no revenue to speak of. And so, but we had built, it was a total SEO play. We had built some SEO software that people that knew the company wanted to start licensing. And without even realizing the power of a SaaS business and the recurring revenue model and that whole thing, we pivoted into a software company because it was just simply the fastest route to getting some revenue. And so that was about two and a half, three years ago. And, you know, was really fortunate. I mean, this, this whole SaaS business that Huckabye has become is really a bit of an accident, to be honest. So, you know, I think the willingness to pivot to be able to find revenue was really important. Now the, the sort of vision and direction of Huckabye is, is much more, you know, inspiring than any sort of like, you know, we, we do have a very specific purpose and we do have a very important role that we play on the internet. But none of it was like this big light bulb went off and, and I, you know, was like, that's it. It really was a terrible idea that morphed into a really good idea as a result of a, of a pivot. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and congrats, you know, on being able to see the, the bigger picture and not chasing it, you know, too far down the rabbit hole. And, you know, some of the best stories that I've heard come from solving a problem for yourself, right? You were doing something really mm-hmm. well in, internally and said, man, there's probably other people that could use Mm -hmm. this. So maybe take us through kind of the early days. I don't know how many folks you had on the team at the time. And I'm assuming this was pre-funding, you know, when we were starting to make the pivot, you know, what did those days look like? Was it you out hustling, getting the next customer or what, what were the early days? Well, before the pivot, you know, I think the largest check we ever got was like $20. So (laughs) it was, uh, it was, I think, um, there was three of us. It was myself and two engineers. And, you know, we were just trying to do everything we could from an SEO perspective to drive traffic and to drive revenue. Once we pivoted, that was, you know, a big break for us. We, you know, early days was still about a team of three, including myself, and really it was myself out there hustling. So trying to work my network, which fortunately was pretty solid. Our first, as you would imagine, like five or six deals, maybe, probably way more than that, actually, were all essentially like friends, friends of friends, connections. And one of the things I realized is you have to be able to sell to friends. Like you can't, when it's your business and it's, you know, ride or die, you have to feel comfortable selling into your network and selling to your friends and really honestly feel like this product is going to be great for them. And so I kind of got over that hump of being somewhat shy, not shy, but more like really respectful, right, of my friends' businesses and what they're trying to do. So like, all right, I got I to gotta get to revenue, so I got to be pitching these guys. And that was, I think that's a big 
step for each, especially SaaS founder is, you, you know, your first bunch of deals are going to be through your network. And so you got to feel comfortable, you know, selling into your friends. Fortunately, we had a product that I really believed in. And so I thought it would benefit all my friends. And, you know, that was a lot of our first deals. I remember our, our very first deal was a uh, sort of a cybersecurity company called No Before out of Florida. One of my best friends sat on their board. He's a VC guy and he, okay. um, he sat on their board and put me in touch with the CEO and it was a one call close. And, you know, I remember like sending an invoice with like making up the number, like I'm, I'm in like Photoshop making the invoice and, you know, I'm not going to do zero, 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 one. I'm going to do like, you know, right. zero, five, eight, nine, <laughs> like you're just making it up to look good. <laughs> so there's a lot of that, like fake it till you make it, I think as well, early days. Yeah. And I'm curious in the early days, I mean, I think you knew that you had, you were onto something, right? You figured it out, but you know, was there any, did you do like any formal market research or when you were looking at how you were pitching it from a value based, was it trial and error or was there a, a formula or a, a plan that you had behind it? And once you got rolling. No, there was no market research or intelligence, you know, testing. It was, we had a, we automated something that was really important, something called structured data markup, which is this language that Google likes to, you know, it's, it's how Google likes to talk with a website. And okay. No one really does it well. And we basically figured out a way to automate it completely. And so I knew it was important, but in terms of like the price point, I mean, we literally, I just literally made it up. I was like, okay, what do I think this company? I was like, maybe $2,000 a month. And you know, fortunately, it provided a lot of value for these businesses, so we could have a pretty high price point. And so it ended up, you know, I, I always joke with our VP of finance now, when he's, you know, he's lauding why he joined and how efficient we are. I mean, all of that was just completely on accident. It wasn't like, I didn't know SaaS. I didn't know all these SaaS metrics. I mean, it was literally on accident that we, that, you know, we kind of got to where we are today. Now, it was a lot of hard work and a lot of fighting, but there wasn't any, yeah, there wasn't any market piece. Or secret there. sauce in the early days. That's yeah, fascinating. No. You know, and, and the part of the journey that always interests me and, you know, we were talking a little bit offline that, you know, the vast majority of these B2B founders that get started, get stuck, right? Kind of where you were that, Hey, you know, sold to friends and family. And frankly, there's not enough founders that do that. Right. So go leverage who you have in your network, then expand. But then part two of that, you, you could handle that type of volume by yourself, you and the engineers, you could get people on boarded, but you know, really to, you know, one of the numbers we throw around, around a lot and it's somewhat arbitrary is getting to that million dollar threshold, right? Because you, you join an exclusive company of 5% of startups that ever get there, which is shocking in itself. But when you really drill down into where you're hustling and can make everything happen to get to a million dollars, depending on your price point, there's a lot of other things that now have to start to happen. So, mm -hmm. so maybe take us to that point where you were no longer could do the selling and the onboarding and the, the sad event. How did, how did that next phase of the, the company look? Yeah. You know, honestly, we got to a million dollars relatively quickly. I mean, okay. and we honestly kind of got stuck once we got to a million dollars. We didn't have any problems getting to that million. It was once we got to a million and it was time to, you know, hire salespeople and get them to be able to sell it. That took us some time to be able to sort of figure that out. Honestly, we're still kind of figuring it out. You know, we're at 1.4. We're trying to get to three, two and a half, three this year. Fortunately, all of a sudden, you know, Huckabye's on this 
crazy growth curve right now, but we got stuck after we kind of reached a million. I think getting to a million was surprisingly quick. Um, I think it was that our product resonated. I had a pretty big network. I also had this background at Overstock that had proven that I could grow, you know, a really big SEO channel for a, a huge company. And so there was a lot of things, a lot of tailwind getting to a million. Um, once we got to a million, that's when it sort of became more challenging. You know, you start to have 10, 12, 14, 15 employees, and they're not the, the founder, right? It's much harder. They don't have that authority of like that background or, you know, they're an account executive. It's much different than a CEO. So right. that's kind of what, where we got stuck was after we got to a million. and honestly it's taken about a year for us to get unstuck from that and now be on this great growth curve i think one of the things that i undervalued was the importance of inbound leads and doing drinking our own kool-aid right like really good seo having people like brand awareness although that took that for me to which is really stupid because i am a marketing guy and i was worried that you know the if we got out there and we're shouting from the rooftop, someone would just steal our idea. Right. But we were fortunate that we then, uh, we got really strong on the dev side. So we had a bit of a technical moat. Now I'm very comfortable doing lots of marketing and we're, we're you know, doing that. That's sort of in my mind, what fixed that problem was instead of, you know, leveraging just my network. Now we have 10, really good inbound leads coming in a week, which I don't care who you have running or doing sales. Uh, it's pretty hard to mess up, you know, someone that comes to your site wanting to buy the product and putting their name and number in. So I think that was um, kind of why we got stuck was I didn't focus on marketing. I was so focused on every deal and every possible sale that I, I kind of missed the bigger picture that I got to be generating a machine here rather than trying to nurture each deal myself. So now we've sort of built a machine that I think will will scale us, you know, kind of hopefully through the roof. Facilitate it. Yeah. I think the two the two big things I've heard from founders almost universally, especially the ones that have got through the the threshold was I wish I would have started marketing earlier and two, I need to just step out <laughs> of my own way and, and trust people to, to do their jobs, which is hard. And you built this thing from scratch and I get stepping out. So, you know, once you did decide to start hiring and I a hundred percent agree that the inbound piece is the, you know, is so critical this day and age, you can't cold call your way to scale anymore. You just, you just can't. So when you looked at those first hires, was it around inbound marketing and the marketing piece and then salespeople to kind of facilitate and, you know, shepherd through the process or how, what was kind of your mindset as you were starting to, to bring folks on? Yeah. I mean, it's actually not all that much of a success story early. I mean, we did, we kind of got stuck on this million dollar mark for almost a year and we were hiring a lot of salespeople, a lot of, um, you know, unsuccessful hires. And I think, you know, again, it was that issue with inbound. It's like they, you can't, you can't cold your cold call your way to, to success anymore. And so we would, you know, kind of put this on, the sales team that they weren't doing a great job, but in reality, looking back on it, it wasn't their fault. It was that we just didn't have valuable leads coming into the website and you know giving us their information. So, yeah, on 
unfortunately, I think I invested too much in sales and really not in anything in marketing. And then we hired a, a really bright marketing intern of all hires and he ended up being a rock star. And now, you know, SEO takes quite a bit of time. So now like sort of a year later, we have a designer, we have a marketing manager and they're starting to really, you know, have a big impact. I think 2020 is going to be the year that I look back and say, man, marketing sort of won the year for us, right? They were the, like the biggest factor in our growth. And I think, you know, because that's my background, I always say like, if you compete against Amazon for seven years, you get pretty good at, at marketing. Uh, you don't want to pick Amazon as a competitor. And that was my number one competitor at Overstock. So this B2B marketing I wouldn't say, you know, it's easy, but it's easier than, than doing it at Overstock. So I, I do feel like we're now in a position to really be able to grow and scale as a result of our marketing. No, that's, that's awesome. And I did read that you guys received your, your first found round of funding back wait, late December or early January, somewhere there. So congrats on that. And is that the, you have to disclose any trade secrets, but is that really to help fuel the, the expansion and the acceleration of growth? Yeah. So before this, the world flipped upside down, you know, one, we were really fortunate to close that money in January. So to have, you know, we had always been sort of bootstrapped. We had gone through two like angel type rounds that were, we had raised under a million dollars, you know, which is, which is before this, which is, you know, really efficient. So right. we were used to running on a shoestring and being bootstrapped. Then we raised $2 million and the world flips up, upside down. And we were so used to running efficiently that basically I've just said, you know, let's keep doing that because there's no reason to kind of go nuts. But our current, our, you know, we'll have our biggest month ever. We already have had our biggest month ever in April, which is just wild that, you know, Remarkable. the worst economic collapse in a very long time. And we're thriving, which in my mind really validates our product and what we're doing. So we're, we're starting to sort of expand organically now. We're not trying to you know, burn through any amount of money. It's much more conscientious growth and efficient growth is, is the name of the game for us. And but of course, yeah, the, the money is really to, to get to, you know, some scale, invest in marketing, invest in sales, keep iterating on the product. We have a, we have a page speed product coming out. So, uh, yeah, you know, all those sort of typical <laughs> funding things. But we were lucky. We found the right, you know, I was very resistant actually to venture money and just found the right partners and right people that made it happen and you know we feel very fortunate for that. that's awesome timing as they say is is everything right so that, that's yeah. cool and maybe just one more thing before we transition to, to what's next for you guys is kind of around the process and operations i'm a i'm a process guy at heart so i always like to hear you know kind of how that's evolved or if that's something that you're working on now from and I'm assuming you didn't build out workflows and process the entire org, but maybe through lead and demand generous sales, if you had a sales process, kind of curious how you thought about that and you know how that's evolved since the, the earlier days. Yeah, so I'm not a process guy at all. Uh, I'd say all of those, those things have been initiated by our SVP of growth, this guy, Bart Bodell, who's been fantastic. He's really gotten the sales processes. He also runs customer success. So onboarding, you know, the customer experience, our CTO has had a huge hand in that. So 
I've been fortunate to have better process people around me than, than I am. I think one of the critical things, and we keep looking at it and trying to refine it, is, is onboarding and the customer experience. So what is the customer experience? You know, having someone actually own that is something that we're looking to hire. And it's just critical to, to be able to really scale. But yeah, I'm not a process guy. I am fortunate to have, have a few around me that are, that are much better at it than I am. Well, play to your strengths and surround your weaknesses, right? Yeah. And I'm yep. just kind of curious to follow up on the customer experience is a hundred percent agree with you. The, the critical and too often people think about it after they're a customer and using your product. And I think you mentioned that through the onboarding process, even in the sales process now of customer experience, they're, they're kind of looking at all those touch points as an overall experience. So are you looking at it across the kind of life lifetime of a customer or working your way back from current customers through the process? You know, the entire thing, one of the things that was interesting about Huckabye is you couldn't actually see the product um, because it's behind the scenes SEO technology. So, which is a huge problem, right? Like after people forget what they bought and they also, there's turnover. So, you know, you might have a new, a whole new marketing department that's like, what is this Huckabye thing? I can't see it. I can't. So we've worked a lot on how do you visualize what Huckabye does? How do you log in and actually see something? Um, so that's been a very important part of our customer experience. The sales process is a, a really big part. It's probably, you know, it's your highest touch, you know, part of the, of the engagement. And, you know, also proving ROI is incredibly important to us. There's so many snake oil salesmen in the SEO business that you have to almost go to an extreme when it comes to transparency and showing what we're doing and showing the growth. And so um, we spend a lot of time on, you know, how do you communicate ROI? How do you communicate a company's growth? How do you start seeing the product and what it does? So that's been primarily our, our focus is uh, how do you get that sort of visualization and how do you, how do you prove what we're doing for them? Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're absolutely right. It's hard to kind of like branding, right? It's hard to get an ROI on branding, but you know intuitively that you you need to do it. And from a technical mm-hmm. aspect, it makes sense. And I guess if you're not changing anything else, but working with you guys, you can see the the conversion mm-hmm. and the traffic and, and the increase. So awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, I want to kind of end this with, you know, what's what's next for you and in Huckabye, you kind of talked about, you know, with the scaling. So is anything else? Is there a new product offering? What else is on the horizon for you guys other than to, you know, kind of weather the storm with the economic times that we're in? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of shocked that we're not just weathering the storm. We're going like gangbusters, which is shows me, I think everybody's kind of reevaluated their marketing dollars and what they want to be spending on. And SEO really is the bomb proof, you know, long term strategy. And so we're, we're seeing conversations where people are just sort of taking to our product and they get it. So hopefully that continues. You know, the other thing that's interesting is you can you can get a lot for your dollar right now. And so if you do have the ability to invest, you know, you can you can make you can stretch it and you can really go quite far. Yeah, big year for us, you know, trying to more than double this year despite an economic downturn and investment in marketing. The new product coming out is a, is a universal like page speed product. So improvements in page, like drastic improvements to page speed, which is super important no matter what your, you know, SEO or not page speed has to do with conversion rates, bounce rates, SEO. I mean, it just covers the gamut. So 
to have a product there kind of gets us not just traction in SEO, but beyond. So yeah, that's sort of our future plans. I think this product will probably be available in the next two to three months. And awesome. we're going to, you know, get into the world of testing outside of, of just SEO. Excellent. Excellent. No, and congrats too, right? I knew there were businesses growing and, you know, it, I think unlike the, the ones of us that survived the 08, 09, 10 timeframe, this is just, it is yeah. different. There's some similarities, but it, it's different. So, so congrats on that. And, you know, the one thing I like to ask all of my guests before we wrap up is, you know, what is one thing that you would highly recommend? Yeah. I mean, so I actually come from a endurance sport background. I was a cross country ski racer of all things. I spent a year on the U S ski team and I raced in college. And I think like endurance is literally is something that's super important in being an entrepreneur, you know, if you can hang in there and sort of absorb uh, difficult times or, you know, persevere, like it, it really is kind of an endurance sport, this game. And, um, I feel like I've kind of gotten through those really like there's going to be two, three, four years that are just terrible. They're going to like, you're not going to get good news <laughs> for years. And if you can, if you can handle that and stay positive and you know, that in my mind is the probably the biggest thing I'd recommend is just, and, and it's not, it's not for everyone, honestly, like looking back on, it, I can't, you know, you hear a lot, like it's way harder than you think it's going to be. Well, you know, that take that times 10. It's, it's just a, it is a tough game. You know, this Brett and um, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to get through those hard times, but you have to show endurance and positivity and you'll come out the other end. Yeah. And if they could ever figure out a way to measure the metric of persistence, <laughs> I think I entrepreneurs like you would, you know, would be <laughs> off the chart with, with that. And I think there's a fine line between persistence and, you know, when to, to pivot. And I think the fact that you were yeah. able to, you know, make that pivot early on without just keep banging your head saying, no, I know this is where the future is. So. No, for sure. Yeah. I got to be agile and willing to pivot. That's, that's a great point. Yeah. We're a case in point of that example. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great example. So Jeff, thank you very much. And I'll add this to the show notes, but what's the best way for people to learn more about you, reach out, learn more about the company? Yeah, honestly, it's um, just going to Huckabye.com. If you, if you fill out a contact us form and put in, you know, heart, I heard, heard you on the Hardwired for Growth podcast, you actually get a discount on our products. And even if you're not interested in our products, we, we take care of podcast listeners. They're always a great audience, very knowledgeable audience. So yeah, that's the best way to, to reach me. Awesome. We'll make sure we add that. And I highly encourage the audience to think about your, your technical SEO. You know, I, I heard an entire episode that Jeff talking about the value of it and I'm left. I'm like, man, I need to invest in this before I spend more time <laughs> on my, my website. And it, to your point, it's foundational. And if you're just starting the company, it's, it's better to build it in as you grow versus trying, I can only imagine some enterprise companies trying to reconfigure you know what yeah. their their technical seo looks like so jeff thank you again for the time i really appreciate it congrats on the uh, the success and we'll we'll check back in with you and uh have a great rest of your day thanks brett really appreciate you having me you've been listening to b2b founders podcast to ensure that you never miss an episode subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit brettrainer.com that's B-R-E-T-T, followed by his last name, T-R-A-I-N-O-R.com. Thanks so much for listening. Till next time.